Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Caregiver Coffee Chat podcast. Um, I am so excited today. I have an amazing guest named Jen Rafferty. She is a busy mom. She has gone through her own experience of burnout and just lose, figure, struggling to find out her identity of who she is as a mom, as a mompreneur, and just dealing with the underlying um, trigger of stress, of undealt with stress. And stress, as we know, as moms, mompreneurs, and caregivers can manifest itself in some really nasty ways. And so I invited Jen on because I really resonated with her story to come on and share her story and her tips and just her knowledge with um, how she's figured out how to deal with stress in a more healthy way and how she's passionate about helping other women likewise avoid the same mistakes because stress can really show itself physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And as your coach and your mentor, I do not want that to be you. And I'm so thankful that I have found Jen, who is an expert in this area that we can pick her brain and educate ourselves even better. Even me, I'm not perfect. I have my own flaws. So Jen, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Awesome. Could you tell our listeners a little bit more? I mean, obviously I give a little snippet about who you are, but could you tell them a little bit more about your story and how that segues segued into your business? Sure. So I am a mom of two and in 2019, uh, right at the end, like right before Christmas, um, my husband at the time and I decided we were going to get a divorce and I ended up moving out of my house the weekend, the world shut down for COVID with my two kiddos, uh, who were five and seven at the time. And I was also a public school teacher. I was teaching music, middle school classroom for about 15 years at this point. And in that weekend, everything changed for me. Everything that I felt comfortable with all of a sudden just was gone. And I know a lot of people experienced it that weekend. So I, I had to really reinvent myself in a way that I wasn't anticipating. I mean, I knew that I was going to be part of the divorce process, but then adding COVID on top of it, adding um, you know, the way that I was able to do my job on top of it, everything just changed. So I took that time as, as a real opportunity to discover who I was, or maybe rediscover who I was. And so I decided to take off a semester from teaching that following fall, because I was going to homeschool my own kids. And, you know, I started my PhD at that time. And I thought that would be a really interesting thing to do at that, at that point. I'd always wanted to do that. So I'm, I'm actually almost finished now with, with my degree in educational psychology, but the first day of class, my professor just said, you know, introduce yourself. And everybody was introducing themselves in relation to their partner, in relation to their job or relation to their kids. And while, you know, I, I love being a mom, I, I didn't just want to lead with that. That was really not the only thing I wanted to present to the world. And I just started crying. <laughs> I was like, who am I? I don't know who I, I don't even know how to answer this question. And I was so sure of my identity prior to all of this. So again, um, I use that moment as a catalyst to kind of put everything back together or build it in a way that really served me. So I continued to dive into my research. I continued to do the work with cognitive neuroscience, which is something I've been researching my whole entire career. Um, I became a certified emotional intelligence practitioner. Also really dove into the work of mindset, which really helped me work through all of the things that I was going through. And then when it came time to decide whether or not I wanted to go back to teaching, everything inside of me was like, Jen, don't go back. You are meant to do something else at this point. And so I followed my gut and I decided to start my business, which is Empowered Educator. And now I teach teachers and school leaders about their own social emotional well-being and how we can best serve the adults in those educational spaces. Wow. Well, for starters, I think it's so interesting that our timeline really lined up because my husband got sick in December of 2019, right before the pandemic. So that was the catalyst that started us on, on my journey too. I didn't know it at the time. I wouldn't officially be quitting my job and starting my really focusing on my own 
bit online business until July of 2020, but I went on medical leave. I was starting the process when I went on medical leave to take care of him when his health really declined in May of 2020. So I think it's so interesting that, um, and I had been in healthcare for 15 years as a certified nursing assistant where I worked primarily with long-term care patients. So I think it's so interesting that our timeline just kind of hit when I, when we had our planning call, I thought, oh gosh, this is going to be so good. Cause we understand that, 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 um, it wasn't so much out of the pandemic, but it was just like in our own lives, something personally that had happened to us that just really was the catalyst for really looking at who we are. We're more than just a mom. We're more than just a caregiver. We're more than just an online business owner with gifts and talents, but our identity shifts when, you know, it definitely has, it definitely got me thinking about who am I? You know, I identified so much. I, I resonate with that when I became a stay-at-home mother and a primary caregiver for my epileptic husband, I definitely went through that. Of I was a, I was in healthcare for 15 years, more than a decade, you know. So I really resonated with that identity. So when I lost that, I was like, "Where am I now?" <laughs> and that, and I was also just struggling with, okay, well, how do I, you know, how do I deal with the identity of being a stay-at-home mom? Because there's a lot of shame for that, you know. There's, you know, hate for moms who work in the workforce. There's hate for moms who our stay-at-home mom. So that was a stressor. So I totally resonate with that identity shift piece. And I think it's so interesting though, is that even though we were struggling, we both struggled with that, Jen, we figured out a way to still help somebody else deal with that same shift. And I love that you touched on the inner work because that is a form of self-care because it's, it drives me crazy. Self-care is such a buzzword on the internet. It's such a cliche term but it's not a reward or a treat and doing this inner work that I know we both have worked on, I think is so important because it really is the catalyst for how we're able to show up and cope in a healthier way. Wouldn't you say mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, it's not just making sure you get enough sleep or exercise or proper nutrition and hydration. It really is making sure you're nurturing your mind and your soul as well. 100%. And I think the term self-care has become weaponized in a way, particularly for women, particularly for anybody in in the service profession where, you know, well, if you just self-cared more, then it would be fine. And that's not true. And it, it really diminishes the purpose of what actually we're talking about, because self-care the way we've been learned or we've been taught and we've learned this definition of of what it means it's like a, a like you said a treat it's a it's a benefit it's if you do good then you can get this self-care time and that's just simply not true so i actually really try to stay away from even that word because it can be so triggering for people it's triggering for me sometimes where if we really like you said talk about overall well-being that's a totally different thing. That is a sustainable way where we can actually take care of ourselves so that we can show up for others the way that we want to. We can't show up for the people in our lives if we are strung out, exhausted, stressed, overwhelmed, frustrated. We just can't. We don't have anything left to give. And so your well-being, in for me and my perspective, is the most important thing in the equation. Absolutely. And I love that you're saying wellness or well-being. I think that is a great word because wellness is more than one compartment. I mean, it is those four pillars, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. We all know that. But I think it's so important that we do touch on that. It is not a, it's not just a treat. It's not just a reward. It's the, it's the foundation for how we're able to show up whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're um, a care primary caregiver for your sick spouse, whether you choose to be a mompreneur like what Jen and I have chosen to do, it is the foundation for how you show up in life is when your tank is empty, you, you're not going to go anywhere. You can't run on an empty tank indefinitely and it can manifest in other problems. So Jen, for you, when you were dealing with your stress, which probably led to some burnout, what was that? What did that? What did that look like for you? I, for me personally, it showed up more physically than anything. I was chronically sick for a whole year with a diagnosed IBS, and then then it hit. Then I'd say later into 2022, it's hit with. That was in 2021. In 2022, all the emotional and spiritual and mental trauma kind of hit me. It didn't happen all at once. It kind of hit later, and so that's something I've been really working on uh, last year. And obviously I'm continuing into this year. So, but what did that, but what was your experience like? Did it show up where you 
were physically sick or you were just more dealing with more um, maybe mental, emotional type symptoms with um, increased anxiety or something like that? Well, what did it look like for you? So I would say yes to all of the above. Uh, but I, you know, stress is it's important that we realize that stress is a physical manifestation most of the time. And what happens is that, you know, your body talks to you all the time, every day. We're just terrible listeners. And so when your body starts to show you some signs of like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling great right now. Something's wrong. Something doesn't feel good. Something's not safe. It's so easy to just shove it aside because you can function with that because we've been so used to doing it our whole lives. We can function under a certain amount of stress. And I will say not all stress is bad. I, I, I really, you know, stress gets a bad rap because of where we are right now, but stress and cortisol is actually really important to the way that we function because that's how we get out of bed in the morning. That is how we make change. That's how we learn. That's how, you know, we have the impetus to go do things. Um, However, what's happening is that there is this overload of stress, which then doesn't get processed the way that it needs to get processed physically in our body. And then it stays. And so that's when it starts to manifest in all of these different ways. So, you know, I think it's always really important that you're in touch with your body because your body will tell you. And, and we know that like, now that we're talking about this, I'm sure that you, you knew this, right? You, this isn't a surprise. This isn't news, um, but it's just easy to just push it down ignore it and just keep going again, because that's what we've been used to doing. So for me, uh, I, it wouldn't be so much getting sick, although that would happen. My back would go out and I would literally not be able to get out of my bed or off of the floor because it was to the point where my body was like, Jen, you're, we're done here. <laughs> you're not listening to me and you are not getting the message. And now, so we're just going to do this for you. You're, you're done. And so that would be what would happen. And I would be completely incapacitated for several days and in extreme pain. Um, and then of course, all of the emotional and, you know, cognitive and, and spiritual things would come around with it, you know, especially during COVID the, the depression is real, you know, and, and trying to figure out how to get out of bed in the morning so you can do what you need to do for your kids, right? I mean, I was homeschooling at the time, so I couldn't spend my days in my bed bawling my eyes out. I had to show up, but that also meant that I needed to process and work through my emotions that I was going through in a time and a place that was safe, that it could be productive and it could be healthy. Um, and sometimes that would mean excusing myself when the kids were eating lunch or something, going upstairs, having an old, having a good cry, and then coming back downstairs. Um, but through the work that I did, both with my research, with my degree and in the mindset work that I did myself, you know, I, I learned really concrete strategies of how to navigate all of that because it, it wasn't a place that I wanted to live. I, I wanted to be on top of it. I didn't want to be constantly chasing my stress, figuring out like what, what happens? Why am I here right now? Right. And I think that is really important. Okay. Moms, caregivers, listen up. Mompreneurs, listen up to me for a minute. Buckle up. Um, it's okay to say that I need a moment. It's okay yes. to take a time out. Okay. What Jen said, if you have a moment where you're about to blow your stack, it's okay to say, excuse me, I need time out for five minutes. I need to go cry or I need to just take a deep breath. It's okay to take a time out. You are allowed to take a time out. And also too, with those, with um, the inner work that Jen's talking about, I would say too, I think it's so important that you find time to have boundaries. Boundaries are important. So whatever, whatever you want to translate this to, whether it's a 30 to 45 minute non-negotiable devotional time, like what I do first thing in the morning before I even start my work, if that's you, do it. If it's doing some journaling, that's you. If it's meditation, do it. Whatever you need to do to really nurture, not just your body. I mean, I do want you getting enough sleep, making sure you're hydrated, make sure you're not missing your wellness visits and not making and making sure that you're getting enough nutrition throughout the day to fill your body because you do need that. Okay. It is important. But 
I also want you to be um, aware of and listening to what your mind and your soul need. So if you're feeling tapped out or burned out emotionally or mentally or spiritually, what does that look like for you? Do you need to look at maybe a third party who's someone that's non-biased and maybe for a while have a light dose of medication? I needed that in my early 20s. I just, you know, doing other positive things just wasn't enough. My body physically needed that chemical help to have that imbalance, but it wasn't forever. So it was just for a season and that's okay. What do you need in the season that you're in to be able to cope better in a healthy way, healthier way? So is it talking to a counselor or a therapist? Because they do have other resources and coping techniques besides medication. Is it building your support network maybe where you're around another mom, a coach or a mentor um, or advocate kind of like what Jen and I are? Is it a support group, be it online or in your community center or your church where you can get around some people that are dealing with the same struggles so you don't, so you feel more seen and not so isolated? Because if there's anything that we learned in COVID, Jen, and I think you would agree, we're human beings and we don't do good being by ourselves. We, we miss being in our tribe and around other people. So as a person who's dealing with an extra load of motherhood, caregiving, um, other circumstances that are difficult for you right now, what do you need to do to nurture your mind and your body and your soul cohesively together so you can keep showing up, but also in such a way to, that you do have those non-negotiable boundaries, because that is key to how you're going to be able to move the needle forward. So, and so Jen, what um, has been one of the biggest boundaries for you that you've had, that you've learned with during your, with your journey of inner work that have become now non-negotiable to keep that, to keep yourself balanced to where you're, um, you're making sure that you're keeping that tank full, so to speak. And so you can show up. I think in, I like to think of this as a priority instead of a boundary. And I, I love boundaries, by the way, but I, I think if you were asking me the biggest shift, it would definitely just be a priority shift instead of a boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, the boundary, I mean, the, the priority for me is, is me first. That's it. it. It has to be me first. And that took a really long time to shift because especially as a mom, as a teacher and any sort of giver that, you know, everything that you think about your focus, your time, your energy, your attention is always on everybody else, because that is what you think your role is supposed to be. You are a giver. And not only is the spotlight never to be on you, but you're not even supposed to need anything, right? It's like, I'm fine. I don't, I don't need anything. I'm good. And we walk around with a sense of selflessness and we wear this badge of martyrdom of like, look at what I'm sacrificing for everybody around me. But as you said before, you can't go anywhere with an empty tank. And we, we know this like in our head, but we don't really embody it in our, in our hearts. And so, you know, we, we say things like put your oxygen mask on first, you know, but we don't actually do it. No, we don't, we don't, we don't walk the walk. We know we say the words, but, but we don't do it. And then when we try to do it or we dabble in it, it feels bad because we, you know, cover ourselves in all of this guilt of, wait a second, I'm a giver. I'm not supposed to need anything. Now I'm at, now, not only asking for things, I'm prioritizing myself. And then we just like bathe in this layer of guilt on everything. So when we are prioritizing ourselves, it doesn't even feel good because our mind is like, well, I should really be doing this other thing for this other person. And here's the thing. It's, it's nobody's faults that we're, we're like this, right? This is in the air that we're breathing. This is this has been passed down to us for generations. And we're here now. And what I encourage people to do is wake up. Wake up. You are the most important person in your life. And if you are not taking care of yourself, you are not actually able to hold space for the other people who need you the most. So those five minutes that I needed to go cry in my room were the most important thing in that moment. Because if I didn't, I would not be able to show up for my kid. Yeah, I'd physically be there, but I wouldn't be able to really be there the way that I wanted. And when you do this, you are modeling a new paradigm for your kids to say and show them, hey, it's okay. You're mad. Go scream upstairs in your room. Go hit a pillow. I do that. 
<laughs> I'm going to go do that right now. I'm mad. I'm going to go in my room because I need to let it out. I'm sorry, kids, but I need to go for a walk right now. And I know that you're hungry for dinner, but if you're really starving, go make yourself some cereal. I'm going to be back in 10 minutes and then I can make you dinner. That to me are my non-negotiables. And what's funny is, you know, I was out to dinner with my mom the other day and I said something like, oh, well, me first. And she's like, well, you mean the kids first? And I was like, no, (laughs) I mean me first. And what was interesting, again, it's like, it's also passed down from generation to generation. You know, I had to explain to her that by choosing me, I choose the kids by choosing me. I choose my people around me by choosing me. I show up to my work better. And that shift alone has been huge. You know, the fundamental principle of my company is the most generous thing you can do for other people is take care of yourself. You know, um, talking about the the identity piece, which ties into this a whole lot. You know, I, I said in my TED talk, we are not superheroes. And I know that that's an unpopular opinion, especially when it comes to teachers. We're not superheroes. We're human. We're, you know, and, and sure you are, if you're a mom, if you're a teacher, if you're, you know, yes, of course we're all heroes. Like this is something that, that we do that changes the world, but we are not immortal. And when we attach ourselves to this narrative of being a superhero, it makes martyrdom okay because superheroes don't need anything. They can just show up and do the thing. They don't, they don't need to take care of themselves. They're fine. We are not superheroes. We are human and we need to act accordingly. Absolutely. I love that you said that. And this is tying into, I love how God does the full circle thing. Cause this is just so awesome because actually my pastor is starting a sermon series um, at our church. He started yesterday with saying yes to Jesus or saying yes to yourself. And I translate that very well. I mean, the spiritual stuff I learned, I really transfer into other areas of my life. And so my thing that I'm getting from that too, is how are you choosing to say yes to yourself in 2023? By saying yes to yourself first, like you said, me first, saying yes to myself first, my non-negotiable spiritual self-care time. For me personally, that sets the tone for my day, how I can show up and I feel aligned with the Lord. And then I'm inviting the Lord into my day as I serve my people, as I have this intentional conversation with you right now, it really sets the tone for my day. And so how that is a big way of how I have to, for me, how I need to say yes to myself. So for those of you listening, where have you been neglecting yourself with not saying yes to yourself? You know, like, like Jen said, martyrdom is not the way to do it. Burnout is real. You don't want to be sick. Don't be like me and push off those ignoring, you know, being the martyr of being so hyper-focused in on your kids and your sick spouse that you missed your wellness visits. And then by the time I couldn't stand it anymore, I started getting sick and uh, I'd say the tail end of 2022 or 2020, excuse me. And then by spring, April or May of 2021, I just couldn't stand it anymore. So I finally made that visit with my doctor. And because I hadn't kept her in the loop about what was going on, it took me four doctors and two procedures and then a whole entire year of being sick before I finally got a diagnosis and was able to start medication at the beginning of, the, of last year. So I paid for it in a big way. And it made it really tough to be a mom, to be a caregiver, to show up in my work. And like Jen says, when you put yourself first, things run a lot smoother. You show up better as a mom. You show up better as a wife. You show up better as go down the list of identities or or roles or hats that we have martyrdom is not the way to do it guys and if you choose to go that route indefinitely you will pay for it (laughs) whether it's back pain like Ben has or an undiagnosed illness maybe or other lingering health problems it really eats into your life because when you don't feel good it's a struggle you don't you, you don't have the cortisol to just to get your butt out of bed every day you really don't well, it's an overload and that's, yeah. you know, it's kind of like this continuum, you know, you, you need just a little bit. Um, but when you have too much, it goes completely onto the other side and it becomes paralyzing. And, um, then we can't get rid of the excess cortisol that's in our body. And there are all these hormonal components that happen. And, um, you know, I don't want to get too technical there, but this is a, a really important piece of all of this is put yourself first. And sometimes, you know, I, I have to also say this, you know, invest in yourself. 
you know, and, and not just with time, sometimes it also means money, you know, it's, yes. it's, think about all of the things that you spend on your kids. Like, you know, it's no big deal. They want to go to summer camp. They want to go to soccer. They want to go to dance or gymnastics or music lessons or whatever. And you don't even think twice about providing those opportunities. But the second you're like, Oh, I want to get a massage or like, Oh, I really want to see a therapist, but it costs this much out of pocket. Or I really want to be able to take that, you know, pottery class I've been wanting to do since I was 20, but no, I, I know I, I can't spend the money right now. You know, that is another symptom of this martyrdom where again, if you invest in yourself, time, money, attention, everybody wins. Absolutely. And I love that you said money because I have a little story for this one. Um, back in July is when I found my Christian life coaches and they had this, I've been struggling with, um, finding a way that works for me with doing my devotional time. It's something I've struggled with my whole life and I'm in my latter thirties now and it's now, I'm now just figuring it out and a program opened up, um, that they did that where I could become a founding member for, um, for life. And I did the free trial and I loved it. My husband was amazingly supportive. I'm so blessed. He said, I've seen a change in you. Here's the 60 bucks, go invest in yourself. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> and then um, when this opportunity for this year, an opportunity to do an intensive program opened up again, my husband's like, invest in this. This is something that you need to do this inner work. And so I know it's not fun when you're I know for me being on a fixed income and still growing a business, you can definitely feel that martyrdom of like, oh, I don't have the money or, you know, I feel guilty for using the hard earned money that we get or what money we do get on this. But at the same time, it's an investment. I'm investing in myself. I'm investing in myself spiritually, which, which I feel like it's backwards. Like, I mean, I, you know, people say physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. I kind of have found, at least for me, spiritual mental, emotional, and physical. I mean, it kind of trickles down the other way because when you take care of your mind and your soul, it trickles down into your body because you're more aware, I think, at least the way it's been for me, of how you need to take care of your body because everything else just kind of falls into place, at least for me. So if there is a class, like Jen said, that you want to do, if there is a wellness program, if there's something going on in your church, a class or congregation of faith, I don't want you to feel shame for doing it. If that is something that you need and you know will help you, especially if it, because here's the other component. Sometimes with investing in yourself, besides giving yourself a mental break for doing something for fun, it's also important to also have that accountability. So maybe I know for me doing this program, I need the accountability. I need my coaches. I need my other girls. They are holding me accountable to keep going. So what do you need in the season that you're in? Is it a mental break where you do do that pottery craft just to get out of the house and have some fun? Or is it more that you really need to do some inner work, either spiritually or mentally or emotionally, tie the three together if you want, and you need to do an intensive program or find a coach or a mentor or some other course or something, program or something that allows you to get the support and be intentional with taking that time for yourself and putting yourself first. Yeah, I so. think all of those are great. Yeah, I, I mean, that's it. You're the asset. You're the you are the person that is the variable in every given situation. So when you take care of yourself, everybody wins. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've talked about in this in this conversation Jen about we know what we need to do, but we're so bad about walking the walk, you know, it's cliche. We say it in the church, you got to walk the walk and talk the talk. We're so bad about um, talking the talk, but we don't walk the walk. That's the problem. So what are your three tips that you would give, that you want to give our listeners if they're not, if they're realizing, okay, I've been talking the talk very, very well for a very long time, but I'm not walking the walk. What would you say for them, say to them to help them get started that can be actionable where they actually do it and follow through, but it doesn't feel like you say so overwhelming. Cause like with, when you're implementing anything, it can feel overwhelming and frustrating. And, you know, like it says in a, like, you know, um, James Clear says in Atomic Havoc, it takes 21 days to establish a new habit. So even just thinking for some people 21 days, oh gosh, I can't do something for 21 days. They just immediately fall off the bandwagon. So let's help them. So what are three tips that you have to help them get the bandwagon going? So I think the 
one of the biggest concrete strategies that helped me get started was actually doing some breathing. <laughs> and I know this might sound a little bit wonky, but just go with me. Um, throughout my day, I set my alarm four times that are my breathing breaks. And what I do there is the, you know, the alarm goes off. I stop what I'm doing and I put my hands to my heart and I just do a round of a box breath, you know, or excuse me, three rounds of a box breath. So it's, you know, inhale for four, pause for four, exhale for four, pause for four. And I do that three times. And the reason why I do that is because first of all, it pauses whatever I'm doing in the moment. And it allows me an opportunity to be self-aware and mindful of, you know, how am I feeling right now? What am I thinking? What's happening physically in my body? And it's this moment of awareness where I'm like, oh, my shoulders were all the way up to my ears. My stomach was really tight. I'm, you know, thinking about something that happened five years ago that stresses me out. That's interesting. What's that about? And so when I intentionally take these breaks throughout the day, what I'm doing is I'm actually able to train myself to become more aware, to become more mindful. And while the breathing feels good, while the breathing will also have all of these benefits of lowering your heart rate and allowing you to feel more relaxed and, you know, decreasing your blood pressure and and making you feel better, what you're doing in those breaks is actually just strengthening your notice muscle. So you become more aware of when you don't feel good. And it is equally as important that you know when you do feel good. You know, if I'm washing dishes and my breathing alarm goes off and I'll sit there and I'll do my breathing alarm and I'll be like, yeah, you know what? Like I was super present. I was fully washing dishes right now. And it is important that we pay attention to when we feel great just as much as when we don't. So that way, when we're shifting our mindset or, or our emotional state or our physical state, we know where we're going and that that's really, really important. And this is something you can do anywhere. You can do in your car, you can do, you know, in the grocery store. And my kids know about this too. You know, we, we all do this together. And again, that helps with changing the paradigm of how do I live my life? Well, I check in with myself several times a day because you know, your brain wants to go on default. That's the way your brain works because it's efficient. It does a great job. So you can do all these amazing things. You don't have to think about every time you take a breath or every time you blink. Right. Um, but so when we stop that and notice that's the only way we're going to start making change because we can't change things we don't notice. So that's, I think thing number one and, and thing number two is kind of goes with it is, um, making sure that you understand that you are worthy of this work, right? You have one life and you are completely worthy of making sure that you are able to have the impact that you wanted to make in this world, whatever that might look like. And in order to do that, you have to prioritize yourself and remind yourself that you are enough, you matter, you are worthy and tying that into even just something as really simple and concrete as those breathing breaks throughout the day. And like you said, you don't have to commit to 21 days, you know, do it for a couple of days and just see, see what happens. And if you like it, continue. And if you don't, don't. And if you want to start with one throughout the day, great. If you want to work yourself up to four, great. And I work with some people who do one every hour at the top of the hour. It, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, you know, choose your own adventure. And then I think the third thing that is, is really important is, and you mentioned this before is community. You know, the, the work happens when we each make these changes individually within community. That's how we really make significant change in this world. Absolutely. I love those tips. So thank you for sharing. And like, and like Jen touched on guys, listen, I'm all, you know how, you know how your girl runs, you know how I teach. I want you to create a plan and, and take actionable steps, but I don't want you to feel, have an analysis per analysis either where you're like, oh gosh, I need to do something. And I try to make this impossible plan and then you don't execute it at all. One actionable step a day is better than nothing at all. Progress is progress. And don't feel like, Oh, because Jen's doing it this way or Melissa's doing it this way. I have to do it exactly to what you like they do. No, I want you, we want you being curious and stopping and pausing and paying attention to what you need. What do you need? What works for you? 
try something like like Jen said. Don't commit to 21 days if you can't do it. Try, you know, for maybe like maybe this week, maybe for this week, just take it a week at a time. Commit this week on I'm going to do this at this time once a day for this week and see what happens. If if it works well for me, I'll run with it. If it doesn't resonate with me, I'll ditch it and I try something else. And that and if you end up ditching it, guys, listen to me. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means you haven't found the right thing. And that's okay. We, we're all different. You know, how, I, how my brain works, how, what works for me and resonates with me is supposed to be different than what works for Jen and vice versa. And what works for us, we can give you the tips, the strategies and foundational tools to start the process. But at the end of the day, we want you taking what we teach you and tweaking into a way that works for you and then running with it in a way that works for you because we're all unique. And the same thing, because like, think about it as moms, how we teach, we know our kiddos better than anything. And we know, and if we have, I only have one, but my, but Jen has two. She knows her children are unique individuals. Yes, they're siblings and there might be some similarities, but does everything, does, does Jen approach them both the exact same way? Probably not because they have different personalities, different needs, and they respond better in certain ways. And that's fine. So why not do the same thing to ourselves? We're unique. We're individuals. We have different needs. Our brain works a different, a certain way. And we guys, it might doing this work means we have to be curious. We just have to try things. And if it if it works, great, run with it. If it doesn't work, ditch it, move on. Doesn't mean we're a bad person, a bad or a bad mom, bad caregiver, bad mompreneur, or any other hat you want to throw in there. It just means we haven't figured out what works. We're going to keep, keep trying again. <laughs> okay. We're going to keep trying again. And it's okay to keep trying again. I mean, how many times, Jen, have you tried something and it flopped in this whole journey and you've had to kind of just go stop and pause and do check in and go, okay, that didn't work. Doesn't I, I, I can do better. I think for me, it's about recommitting to myself. You know, it there are so many things that are available for you on this journey. And at the end of the day, it's about continuing to recommit to yourself. And that's the thing to, for me was the most important where, you know, you follow the bandwagon, we're human, like this is how this works, you know, and, and part of that too, is the way your brain is, is trying to keep you safe. It wants to keep you the same. And so if you're somebody who's always done everything for everybody your whole life, and now you're like, okay, I listened to this podcast and now I'm going to start prioritizing myself first. Your brain's going to be like, no way. This is not how we operate. I don't have any evidence of you doing this and surviving. No. And you're, it's going to throw up all sorts of resistance for you. And unless you're able to navigate that, recognize it for what it was, and then make a conscious decision that, okay, I understand that this is my brain trying to feed me some resistance right now, but you know, I'm not going to die by prioritizing myself. Like I'm safe. Thank you brain for doing your job, but I'm good until you even understand what that looks like. Um, you know, you're going to fall into this trap of, oh, I did it again. I committed to something and then I fell off and I can't stick with anything. And I'm, you know, and, and that whole story. And truly that's just a story because the thing that's preventing you from moving the needle forward is your biology and understanding that is really essential. So noticing, taking the time, first of all, to stop and notice, and then make a decision. Do I want to recommit to my growth? Do I want to recommit to my expansion? Do I want to recommit to being the person that I know that I can be? And if the answer is yes, then you just make a new decision. That's it. Right. Right. Because here's the thing. Um, my business coach, Faith Barrett, she teaches the CTFAR method. And um, the underlying tool with that is you have your circumstances that never changes. Okay. The circumstances never change. You never change the C line. But what you can change is the thought and in turn, the action you take and then the feelings that you have around it and then the result. Because that's ultimately what we want. We want, we want to have a different result. We don't want to be but we can't change the circumstance. The circumstance line doesn't change by trying to change the circumstance. The circumstances, the circumstance actually changes guys by actually managing our thoughts, rewiring those new pathways with our brain and which in turns allows us to change our feelings and our thoughts. Cause it's just a story. Like Jen said, you know um, it's just the, the, the chronic story that is unhelpful that we tell ourselves of, Oh, I fell off the bandwagon or I'm not doing anything. That doesn't move the needle forward. You know, 
how can you rework that of going, okay, I made a mistake. I, I tried something and it didn't work. Fine. That means I'm going to try again and I'm going to keep going. That's more helpful. See the difference? It's a lot more helpful when even just, re and, and I know for me, a phrase that has been really helpful for me, instead of, um, oh, I don't want to, or I don't want have to, I like, I've been really leaning into the phrase, I choose. I choose to put me first so I can be there for my sick husband and my little girl. I choose to put me first so I can do this inner work so I have the tools to be able to help my clients. I choose to put the Lord first because I know if I put him first, he will plot my steps for, for every aspect of my life, personally and professionally. I choose to invest in making sure I put my physical health first. So I don't, so I feel good on a daily basis and I don't feel sick and I can feel good and play with my daughter and be there for my husband with what he needs and be there for my clients. It all trickles into everything. So what are you going to choose to do today? After listening to this call, if again, this is a podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, again, you could easily go and go, oh, I'm going to, I've listened to this really encouraging podcast. I'm going to go try to do, you know, I'm going to try to you know, go out the gate at 50 miles an hour. No, it's okay to start at one and then work your way up as you progress in your journey. Okay, it's not about going from zero to 60. It doesn't work that way. I, I, I have been on this journey since I said, like really been on this journey, I'd say since I really, since I got my diagnosis in December of 2021 and it has been ongoing and it's still ongoing even into this year. So it's a process. It's a constant process. It's a constant journey. Am I in a better headspace now than I was two years ago? Absolutely. Is there so much more I can go in terms of growth and development? Absolutely. And do I choose to do that? Yes. But you have to choose. But guys, it boils down to choosing, to saying yes, right, Jen? Just saying yes to yourself. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think also, you know, replacing the words like, won't, I mean, excuse me, can't for, for the word won't, right? When you're like, oh, well, I can't do that. And you replace it with the word won't, that all of a sudden gives you your power back and makes whatever it is you're going to do or wanted to do or didn't want to do a decision that you're making. You know, it's not like you can't go to the party. It's you won't go to the party. It's not like, oh, I, I can't go out for girls night. It's, I won't go out for girls night. And once you start replacing that word and realizing that everything that you do is a choice, that's when you also really get to see where your priorities really are. Right. And I think I like that word. I agree. I like the word won't, but I think I really like the right choose. That is for me. I think that just resonates with me. I choose, I get, I get to choose. I have a choice. Sure. I have control. So think about that too, guys. Is it won't, is it choose? What's a word or a couple or a short phrase of words that you can replace to help you rewire your brain and your thinking into taking that control back. Cause you do have control guys. Okay. We, we, we're stuck in this, like Jen said, this generational, um, you know, wheel of, you know, martyrdom thinking self-care is a treat or selfish thinking that we have to let ourselves run. We have to chronically run on an empty tank and that's how we show up as moms and wives, et cetera, et cetera. And it goes on. But let's break that cycle in 2023. This is our year. This is the year I want to be the year for you guys, for those of you who are listening, where you say yes to yourself daily. You choose to invest in yourself, whether it's with time, whether it's with some money, whether it's with just maybe setting up boundaries to where you do say no. You say By saying yes to something, it means you're going to have to have a strong boundary of saying no to something. Okay. When you're saying no, you're choosing to say yes to something else and vice versa. You're choosing to, if you choose to say yes, you choose to say no. Okay. All right. So it's not all, so those boundaries are still a component. I would say they're still important for you to stay safe because how do you want to keep yourself, your mind, your body, and your soul safe and stay away from being stuck in that hamster wheel of martyrdom, burnout, generational um, martyrdom. How do you want to, how, how do we stay away from that? It's with boundaries. It's, by, it's with choice and you have a choice. 
So Jen, this call has been so amazing. I am so glad you came on. I love what you've had to share because I really think like this will really help because I know with um, the community, at least that I serve with being um, former workforce um, moms and now they're being home full time, they're taking care of their kiddos, they're taking care of their sick spouses and um, they're doing a lot more in some ways than what they used to and their identity has shifted. So I think this is gonna really, really help my audience with having a place to realize that they're more than just a mom. They're more than just a caregiver and that it is not selfish. It is more than okay to have a timeout and it is more than okay to say yes to themselves. So if my moms want to find more of you, where can we find more Jen Rafferty? Sure. Well, the two easiest places is at my website, which is empowerededucator.com. And if you go to the resources page, there's actually a really great free resources there for you. You can download those and shows you how to beat your burnout, how to navigate stress, how to just get out of the blahs if you're feeling the blahs. So all of those are free resources for you. And then the other place where you can have really great access to me and some more content is on Facebook at Empowered Educator Faculty Room. And there I go on, I do lives, I do some coaching on there as well. And it's again, with a really great community of other people who are also doing this work. Awesome. And do you have any, besides the free resources that you mentioned, do you have a paid specific offer that's coming out in 2023 that you want to just pitch about a little bit? Sure. So my newest program is actually called Thrive. And I'm so excited about it because it is now a completely evergreen class where you can do it at your own pace. You'll have access to a library of resources and skill building videos that will really take you through the Empowered Educator Framework through understanding you know, who do you want to be and understanding your brain and how to navigate that a whole reflective practice, um, how to find your voice and really establish a practice of sustainable overall well-being. And so I'm, I'm super excited about that. And in addition, it now comes with group coaching with me once a month for six months. And I'm just so excited to put that out into the world because it's something that's been brewing for a while and something that my clients have been asking for. So here it is. Delivered. Awesome. When does that drop? Is it live now or does it, does it yep, have a future drop? It's live drop right it? now. It's, mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. And can my, and if someone's interested, can they just go and find that on your website then? Yes, it is on the homepage or you can just go to empowerededucator.com slash thrive. Okay. Awesome. I'm so excited for you. That sounds like it's going to be an amazing, amazing, um, uh, starting point for people, especially since we're still in the new year, we're in the buzz of the new year and and um, health, wealth, and goals, you know, those are the big ones. So I think that's going to be awesome, Jen. So congratulations. So um, as we end this call, I have one more question for you. And this one I've had a lot of fun with. Um, So you can take it two ways. So the question is, what is something that we have talked about either in our conversation or something that has just really resonated with you in your journey that's just stuck with you, that's become a truth or an anthem or um, just a affirmation, if you will, in your journey uh, that you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah. So for me, one of the things that I continue to go back to is be where your feet are. In this journey, it's so easy to future and wish you were somewhere else than where you are right now. And what happens is that impatience is is the sabotage and it actually keeps you in that state of unrest for longer. And so when I'm feeling antsy about, you know, I just want to get to the next place. I want to not feel this way anymore. And I want to be able to just be in the, you know, for, for me, it's, it's even just moving, right. I'm, I'm thinking about now, you know, picking up and, and moving somewhere else. So it's, it's easy for me to look around in my environment and just be like, ah, oh, I just like wish I was somewhere else. And the thing that helps me in those moments is first of all, noticing. And the reason why I do notice is because I do those breathing breaks. And then the second thing is reminding myself, you know, Jen, be where your feet are. And that provides um, comfort. It provides mindfulness and provides true presence. And in that presence, I can then be here and, and make decisions that serve me now. I love that. I love even just that phrase, be where your feet are stopping and pausing that is something we're so bad about are you stopping because this is something that i've been doing a lot lately is are you stopping and pausing just pause i totally get that like anybody i we are always looking ahead but how present are we being in the here and now 
with our kiddos. They're going to be small. My daughter turns four this week. Where did the time go? My baby's getting big. I've been married for 11 years. How did that happen? My business is going to turn three years old this year. Where did that happen? So be present with where you're at. Yes, I have, obviously, with the business side, do I have big goals and ambitious goals for my business this year? Of course I do. Do I have goals of where I want to be spiritually? Of course I do. Do I have goals of what I want to see with my daughter? Of course I do. But I think it's so good about what Jen's reminding me, even me, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm learning to be where your feet are, be where your feet are. And, you know, it really just hones in on, um, take this what you will, but a verse I love out of the Bible is Ecclesiastes 3, once that, and it says, basically, there's a time and a season for every matter under heaven. There is. The season you're in is the season you're supposed to be in for right now. The next season is going to bring what it will, okay? And it's not our place to jump ahead. Let's be intentional with focusing on what we need to do in the season. So look at it like a quarter. What do we need to be in for this month, for the month of January, or even the first three months, this first quarter? Where do we need to be more intentional with putting us, with saying yes to ourselves, being intentional with um, prioritizing ourselves so we can show up as the mom, as the wife? as the caregiver that we need to be, because that's going to set the tone guys for the rest of this year. It really is. And if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling overwhelmed with how to even start, like Jen said, there's resources, check out Jen's program. It sounds like it's amazing and get coaching from Jen. I mean, Jen just kind of coached a bunch here on this call. Think what you could get with her working with her for how long is your program again, Jen? Six months or six months. Yeah. Six months. Mm-hmm. half the year what kind of momentum could you all build in 2023 hello go check out my girls program it's gonna be amazing or if you're a caregiver I'm here for you I want to see you win in 2023 as well and if you're really stuck on in terms of self-care and creating a realistic self-care plan that works for you I want to help you my brand new workshop stem prioritizing self-care in 2023 drops on January 23rd I will leave a link in the description box below if you're watching on Spotify, Anchor, or my YouTube channel so you can go sign up. But this is a workshop where we will really dive deep into talking about um, prioritizing your physical health, prioritizing your mental health, your emotional health, your emotional health specifically with building your support network. Because remember, like what Jen and I talked about, to me is important. You can't execute unless you have support. And then also making sure that you're prioritizing your spirituality and how that all ties in together to make you be intentional with saying yes to yourself with all those four pillars. Cause you know, it really is important to keeping your tank full in 2023. So as always, if you have any um, questions for me or future guests, leave them in the comments below. If you're watching on YouTube or anchor and be sure to sign up for my workshop, check out Jen's resources. And if you have, and, and be, and be sure to check out the description box below, because there's going to be a ton of links with um, resources to help you win and say yes to yourself in 2023. And as always, guys, remember, you're doing the best you can. Nobody knows your family better than you do. Remember that you're not alone. We got you. There's people here to help you in 2023 and that you are allowed to give yourself grace on those hard mom and caregiver days because we do face them. Okay. So give yourself some grace, not a bad mom not a bad caregiver, and you are going to do so good in saying yes to yourself in 2023. All right, guys, I'll see you next week for the next episode of the Caregiver Coffee Chat Podcast. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe, and I will see you in the next one. Take care, guys.